Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. You all know him by now, my co-host, Andrew Decker. Good day. Hey. So I didn't Sorry, say... I don't know why I did know an Australian thing. Love him. Yeah. I mean, that you ruined it. I know. Okay. Well, well that well, ends well, another episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm excited about today's episode. Me too. So so this is a guy you've worked with previously, That's once right. upon a time. Yeah. Um, and that you know, and apparently you refer a little bit of uh, business to. Yeah, because we, work, we work together on some cases. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of, um, I think I, well, we're talking about Paul Wingo. I'm just going to bring him in because I have questions for him. Hey, Paul. Howdy do. Hey, man, we started working together back in Houston. You were still in law school, right? Correct. I think yeah. you just graduated, just passed the bar. Yeah. And I my last year of law school. Yeah. And uh, so how many times did Andrew have to take the bar? Just just the one, man. Just the one. Okay. I, I thought maybe Paul, chops. Paul would Paul would help us out there. <laughs> uh but so anyways, like this kind of firm, like we were just kind of in a bullpen. We were just spitting out motions like left and right. It was it was really good experience, I think, for both of us. But we we, we became friends and then years later, uh we're both kind of in the same region of Texas and uh, I've referred cases. Uh, I've referred cases over to Paul, um, just needing some help on the civil side, and that's that's primarily what you do, right, Paul? Uh, correct. So it is a uh, civil litigation practice that is primarily in the area of catastrophic injuries. Um, we yeah. do handle some complex uh, business disputes, but I would say the vast bulk of our practice is catastrophic personal injury litigation. So everybody's probably wondering, why do we have a civil attorney, a dreaded civil attorney on our criminal defense podcast? Well, dude, I've got a question before that. What, what makes it catastrophic? I mean, in my world, like going to jail for three days would be catastrophic. You know, like a splinter is catastrophic. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much uh, small, small fear level. So what does right. catastrophic mean to Paul Wingo? Well, you know, it, it means a lot of things. Um, I'll give you an idea of some of the uh, caseload that we have right now. Um, we have one case where a, a patron of a uh, bar in Fort Worth was overserved uh, an egregious amount of alcohol, ended up um, uh, killing a family of three. Um, and so essentially, there were eight, essentially, heirs and claimants to that um, that um, you know, have, have lost three people um, just out of, out of thin air. Um, so that's one case that we're pursuing. Um, we have several um, brain injury cases. Like, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, that you know, it's, it's interesting, like with um, children, um, children are very susceptible to, and this is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, if they are having um, some sort of medical procedure done where they have to be put under anesthesia, um, if sometimes if it's not done correctly, um, they can have what's called an anoxic or a hypoxic event, which leads to severe brain damage. And we've had several cases where literally five and six year old children that are supposed to be having routine procedures um, are, are now um, severely, severely brain damaged. Oh, wow. um, situations, right. yeah, so really brutal stuff. 
Okay. Um, all right. So yes, that, you know, that, that would definitely all qualify as catastrophic. catastrophic we're, sure. we're talking about long-term uh, mental or physical disability causing or death causing events. Correct. All right. All right. Fighting the good fight there, Dr. Wingo. We try to do. Okay. All right. So, so, so why, why do we have a civil attorney on a criminal defense podcast, Andrew? Well, he's going to hopefully tell us a little bit about some of the rules and ethics of advertising. Um, you and I've talked about having somebody talk, come and talk on the show about that uh, because marketing and advertising is something that all of us sometimes do, sometimes don't, yeah. sometimes we don't know if we should or shouldn't. Um, but there's some rules around it. And you said that Paul knows this stuff really well. So yeah. hopefully he's going he's gonna to teach us a little bit. But before we get into that, Paul, why did you become a lawyer? No, I became a lawyer uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, I think like all of us, we all have kind of little paths that, that, that go down the, the way. Uh, probably the first one was balancing injustices. You know, I, I grew up out in Weatherford, Texas. And it was a you know, fantastic upbringing, but I, but I saw some things that like, that I realized like, man, this is not fair and this is not right. And I, I, I saw that happening to a friend of mine when we were kids and I realized the need for advocates like very early on. And so I always was the guy who was championing his friends and always the guy who would jump in on the fight and jump in and try to like get things resolved and try to be the, 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 the more level-headed person in these kind of situations. And so I think that feeling kind of kept in my gut. And as I started progressing and meeting lawyers and I ended up clerking at a law firm when I was in uh, undergrad, clerked all the way, worked for like four years, uh, paid my way through undergrad through working at a law firm and realized that, you know, this is the universe for me. And so yeah, it's, it's, that's been the deal. You mean to tell me that there are injustices in Weatherford, Texas? No. Come on. No. <laughs> Only back when he was in school. Yeah. yeah. They've all been corrected. Yeah. They've no more, right? Oh, okay. Um, all right. So, so, I, but, but, but it's because you saw, saw a need, uh, saw people who needed help and decided to step into that void. Good for you. Um, so again, we, we brought you in for advertising to talk about advertising. Um, and one of the first questions that I think most attorneys have is where would they find the rules yeah, to okay. even know where to look, what to read? You know, it's, it's a pretty quick Google search. You know, if you text it, you type in Texas bar advertising rules, you know, the, uh, the, the rules of professional conduct come up for the lawyers um, the ones that matter in this universe are 701 through 707. Um, and I mean, there's, there's a, a pretty exhaustive list of stuff there. Um, but the most important stuff that you can kind of look at is a lot of times in the comments. And so once again, when you go online um, and you go to the uh, bars, the type in, you know, looking for the Texas advertising uh, rules for lawyers, You'll go to the advertising review committee and they'll have a decent amount of information for you to kind of sift through on the Texas bar website. Um, and they've got, you know, some basic like 
you know, frequently asked questions. And um, the, the thing that I find myself as a lawyer using the most is they've got a, a listing of all of the advertising review rules and the interpretive comments and opinions. And so those end up being the ones that tend to be the most relevant for lawyers because they're the ones that end up uh, trying to take archaic language that hasn't been updated in forever and apply it to more modern universes that we exist in now. Yeah, so so once upon a time, the basically the rule was you can't advertise like once upon a time you couldn't have more than like the name of your firm and the phone number, even in the yellow pages, like you couldn't have, right. you could have very little. So literally the, the term hanging a shingle was you could literally put out a shingle that said, my name is Andrew Decker and I'm an attorney. Right. Yep. Thank God it's changed at least from that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you, you know, Paul, you've had a number of like different media types advertising your services in your firm. I've seen like billboards with your, with your mug on it. Um, <laughs> those, like, those were, those were darker times uh, <laughs> when I was the, you know, uh, what, what, what was some of my slogans? I had uh, college honey, of, Paul. Stand up and fight. Stand, stand up. up and fight. Paul. <laughs> of course, man. And then, and then uh, there was, Fear the beard, uh, love it. and then uh, yeah, I mean, there's a variety of stuff. You know, like I haven't done that sort of advertising in you know half a decade. Uh, you know, did that at a certain practice, and then when I started wow. working on more catastrophic cases, I kind of moved away from from that universe. But because of that. And because I ended up managing the advertising for a fairly large firm, um, it gave me the chance to become uh, pretty familiar with these rules um, and, you know, be able to you know, have some, some thoughts and insights on them. Yeah. So that's what I was getting at is because of these various uh, types of advertisements that you've used, you've gone through the process for approval with the state bar, right? Yes. So how, do, how does that work? Like, say, like, you know, these criminal attorneys debating whether or not they should get into solicitation, billboards, or, or you know, mailing out letters or something. Obviously, you said go to, you know, just Google it. You'll find the, the committee for attorney advertising, and they have their procedure and process there. But, like, you know, more meat and potatoes, what did you have to go to to, like, get one of your billboards approved? So, uh, essentially... The, the basic idea is that there's an application form online. You get that application form and then you pay a hundred bucks and you send a couple copies of the advertisement. And then essentially, and it's like printouts of it. <laughs> it is the pinnacle of 1990s technology. <laughs> right. You, 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 you print out, you know, the, the PDF form, you fill that out. You have a hundred dollar like fee and you have to mail paper copies <laughs> of, of the advertisement. And then it'll come back to you and they'll scribble all over it. Like this was, you know, something in you know, 703 J blah, 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 you know, like, and they'll give you a whole bunch of other critiques and then you just tweak it until they, they're not pissed at you anymore. And then you send it. Um, 
And so, I mean, it can, it can take a little bit of time. I mean, I would say, you know, probably if you're getting started with it, um, you may you may have to give it to them and you may take a couple of passes getting it back typically they give you um pre-approval of something in 25 days uh so you know you're looking about a month to two months um right. you know and and so it it definitely is kind of a pain in the butt but i think you know, here's the big ticket items that you gotta, you need to be cognizant of. Like, you need to submit your website. Like, you need to submit your Facebook landing page that you get. And then, um, if you are doing uh, like pay per click advertising or print ads, you, you need to submit. Hold on. You said pay for click, right? Pay per click. Pay per yeah. click. Pay per, yeah. Right. Yeah. PPC yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to make sure it sounded kind of like you said paper. Oh, oh, oh. And so yeah. I was like, so it's pay for or pay per click. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, like somebody who doesn't know what it is didn't. Yeah. So, so that, so right. pay per click, and it can, pay per click can be through any kind of nervous, uh, like various like um, search engines, but the primary one that people use is Google. Of course. And so whenever you type in anything in Google, you get a barrage of ads at the top of the page and on, if you've got a, you know, a browser at the side of the page or on your phone, you know, you get like a bunch of them first and you scroll down before you get the natural organic results. Yeah. So um, any of those discrete ads uh, technically are to be approved by the state bar. Yeah. Um, and, and just to give you an idea of, of uh, that approval process, like you said, they'll, they'll send stuff back and be like, no, no, yes. When I got my bar, when I got my website sent several years ago now, uh, there was a picture, a blurry picture of people working at a table. Like you couldn't tell who they were. There were no faces. And actors, they sent, those they actors? Sent, right. It, it was stock photo, right? Yeah. And they sent it back saying, that's not you and those aren't your employees. That's not a picture you can use. So like when I see other attorneys' websites, I'm like, the bar has not seen that. And part of the way I know is that I see the pictures on it and go, that didn't get approved. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would be remiss to say, oh, guys, can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you lost you for just a second. You're there. Say that, uh, I, I, I was talking to someone who actually works in the grievance committee about this. Oh, a couple years ago. Um, the advertising rules are probably the most flaunted of all of the lawyer ethical rules. Um, they're just so hard to enforce the um the compliance is staggeringly low and um you know yes it can be referred to grievances but i the it, essentially you have to really piss someone off because most of the time they're going to give you 
yeah, they're gonna say pull it down. Here's a warning. You're, you you got to fix something like that. Like if you ever even get anything. So you know, there's been several attempts to actually modernize the rules to make them more efficient and uh, more manageable uh, for kind of a modern practice. And uh, you know, they they've they've been DOA. Um, multiple times they've tried to do that. Um, so unless the actual legislature does something, um, I don't know if we're going to get any substantive changes in, in anytime soon. Um, the legislature did um, have a new rule in 2019, kind of like it was, it was all in kind of regards to like deceptive advertising stuff with like, you know, medical alert, you know, like stuff that was kind of targeting old people and like, kind of, uh, you know, populations to try to, you know, there's a new claim that it, you know, making it think that it might be through estate entities or stuff like that. So there was a law passed that prohibited certain types of communications like that in 2019, but there really hasn't been any other substantive changes in quite some time. Yeah. But ironically, I've, the other night I saw like in the commercial break, I think there were two or three of those kind of advertisements on TV back to back to back, you know, for various, you know, if you have cancer and you took this medicine, da, 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 and then if you did this and you've experienced that, and I'm like, I was like this, this is why we all have bad names. Yeah. I mean, I, it is interesting. Like I have found, I, you know, having done a lot of advertising and starting off with that when I was a young attorney and working in a firm that was very advertising heavy, um, it, it, I definitely have a distaste for it now. Um, just being completely honest. I just, I do think that, um, it, it drives up, uh, bad cases. It sometimes makes it harder for, important cases to get to the right attorneys. Um, but more than anything, you know, bad advertising um, and, and everything else like this, you know, the, the big, the big thing in this field that people need to be aware of is baritry. And baritry is the 800 pound gorilla that really does matter. Like grievance rules, you know, how hard those are going to be applied. I mean, on, in regards to, to advertising and, you know, the, the, the letter of how you're following it, like, you know, submit your stuff, do it. Like, but baritry, I mean, that's a straight up, like could be a straight up felony. Um, and so, so when would like an attorney cross a line into that? Yeah. So you, you know, some basic idea, you know, it, this, it's, it's this idea of if it's an intent to obtain an economic benefit, you start a claim that you haven't been authorized to pursue, you have solicited employment um, in person or, or via telephone for, for himself, like for yourself or another, with it, without it being like a personal contact, without it being you know, someone that, that you know or have any uh, engagement with. And the big, the big, big no-no that they really get after is if you, if people are 
advancing or offering money to prospective clients or to those clients, family members, um, that that's what that's gets um, people prosecuted. Yeah. And there's yeah. both a uh, civil aspect to it, to where if someone has been approached by an attorney creating Veritry, uh, where they can be penalized, um, there can be forfeiture of legal fees, um, so you can lose a lot of money. And then also uh, you, um, you know, I'd say can be prosecuted criminally. And I know that the, the, there has been in several counties, um, you know, prosecutions for Baratree. So, you know, I think, wow. you know, whereas, you know, the state bar has teeth that are a little bit lacking in regards to the advertising rules. If you're committing Baratree, um, you could you could face some real serious issues. Yeah, so don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Easy enough, man. To, to quote one of the guys in my office, tell them don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what, I mean, you know, th- this can be a pretty frustrating process. Uh, the, you know, it's not equally administered across the board, it seems like. Do you have any ideas for just improving the process? Like anything you've seen from your firsthand knowledge? You know, I mean, certainly digitizing it, you know, making applications submissible oh, yeah. would, would be at least a very bare minimum of, of updating the process. Um, I, I think that would be very helpful in just making it uh, at least somewhat fit with the times. Um, beyond that, um, you know, it's, it is hard with this universe of constant contact. I mean, we, we, we live in a universe of where we are, we are supposed to engage with people at all times. And so, you know, like, you know, there, there, I think one of the big things is to, to understand a few of the areas where, um, you can, uh, practice a little bit safer. Um, you know, you, the onerous rules do not apply for, for stuff going to other lawyers. Um, so, you know, lawyer facing ads and trade magazines are different, like, uh, uh, stuff. You don't have to get approval for that. So different bar associations or different groups, you don't have to get approval for that or mail outs. you can be a big stuff like that. Um, existing clients, um, or former clients, you know, you can, you can send out newsletters and, and updates and information about your practice to them um, it, without having to get state bar approval. Um, you can have educational blogs, you know, much like, and I think kind of a podcast, like what y'all do would fall under that universe of, is an educational, you know, you know, production. Uh, it's, it, meant it's, to add- it, it's what we hope it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now with social media, it starts getting a lot blurrier. Um, you can definitely, you don't have to submit stuff, um, you know, in regards to your existing clients on social media and your friends. Now, uh, officially, you do need to submit your Facebook landing page if you have a separate landing page for your firm. 
So that would be something uh, to submit um, in regards to that. Um, so and, I think you're saying like now you just have to go like go to your landing page on your desktop and hit print so that there's a paper record of this digital content and mail yes. that in. Okay. Yes. And then they will then circle and write in the different uh, things that they would like you to adjust. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I think part of the difficulty you said in this constant contact world is that where we begin as attorneys and where we begin as persons become very blurred. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen someone, uh, maybe not attorneys, but someone who does something personally, but because it's on social media, their business is directly affected. Um, they, they have a problem, you know, they suddenly, and so like I can, I, I might post something on my personal page that's related to my business. And I might put something on my Facebook page related to my personal life. And, and, and it's partly because I want people to keep me in mind. Um, uh, and like you said, that blur just becomes more and more. Yeah. Transparent. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, it's, you know, yeah. one of the basic tenets of marketing 101 is top of mind awareness. You right. know, you want people to when they get into a situation that would require your potential services to have your name for whatever reason in the database of their existence. Right. And, yeah. and like, and it's, how do you find your way to that? You know, the, the traditional forms are word of mouth, you know, and, and, you know, human to human interaction. Um, and then, you know, then you've got all sorts of sophisticated marketing approaches, you know, that use analytics and different demographics and cross-sectioning and all these sort of like different platforms in order to try to get yourself in front of larger crowds of people that don't know you personally, um, but, you know, you're wanting a chance to, to offer your services to them. Um, I do find that with the absolute overwhelming amount and saturation of advertising that has happened over our lifetimes. You know, I mean, you just the, I mean, you know, our generation is probably the first generation that has truly been segmented, marketed, fed information to for our entire life. I mean, that's part of the reason why people are so distrustful of media right now. And, yeah. and the reality is it's, it's all platforms. I mean, if, if you don't think that people are trying to feed you the information to make you a better consumer, you don't understand how our information sources are working. It just is what it is, yeah. you know, and, and you can, you can get it off into rabbit trails on, you know, different, you know, political ideologies and who's to blame and what's to blame, but everyone's doing it it's a giant cluster. Um, and so what that does is it creates very low trust in a lot of the traditional advertising mediums. And so what a lot of people are finding is that there's actually kind of a, uh, renaissance of more old school, uh, marketing efforts. Right. The, like, the shaking hands kind of deal. Person to person, you know, me as a human, 
I'm not just some sort of robot that's trying to, to download you. Like I, I am a human in your sphere of people. Um, and so I, I, I think that there has been some movement towards some of those traditional methods, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so just <clears throat> personally, I know that the, the advertising, if you will, that's paid off the most for me is literally being active in uh, the local chamber of commerce where I literally sit there and I go, hi, I'm Andrew Decker. I'm a criminal defense attorney. My office is over here. And then just talking to people and it took me months, but those now are my best referral services because those persons know me and they're like, yeah, we trust Andrew. He's a great guy. He's a great guy and he happens to be a criminal offense attorney and so they call you know they tell their friend who gets a dwi call him he's going to be able to take care of you yeah you know and 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 you know and and, and i i think that universe is you know be, as as the trust for institutions and advertising mediums becomes less um those sorts of things mean more. And so, and I think that that can be, that can also be extended to your, your media presence online too, right? Like, I mean, people's ability to look at you online quickly is, is amazing, right? Like they can kind of get a profile of you pretty quick um, from, from some pretty basic searches. And so understanding how those pieces play together of, you know, so if, if you have a positive kind of reputation and then someone suggests you and then they're able to jump on and look and like, oh, wow, this person looks good. You know, they got you know, some clean stuff. I see, you know, they've, they've got some testimonials. They've got, you know, some of their achievements here. Like, okay, you know, all bar approved, of course. But like, you know, that, that kind of stuff uh, is very effective. Yeah, the social proof, right? And that, that, yeah. that's actually a good question. Like, I mean, I, you can't control what some of your clients or former clients are like the reviews they're leaving online. Does the bar have any, take any issue with uh, publishing of Google reviews or Facebook reviews or anything like that? Well, you know, the, the, the Google reviews, since it's a third party platform um, and they are coming from other entities other than the law firm, um, they are typically not considered uh, an advertisement. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I have not seen many uh, enforcement ac actions or, or grievance issues that have come up in regards to that specifically. Now, I have seen, I have seen personal actions where I mean, people file slander claims and I'd cease and desist and fight like hell uh, in, in that arena. Um, if, if they start seeing bad reviews popping up. Yeah. Oh, like other attorneys suing maybe some disgruntled former clients. Oh yeah. I mean, there's wow. all sorts of, I mean, they, they can get some, I mean, I would say best practice. Um, most of the time you know, try to see if you can personally engage with that person. Don't, don't engage with any bad reviews online. Oh, Try yeah, to right. sort out the issue, make, you know, see if you can make them feel better. Um, 
what you don't want is to escalate it and they just start hammering stuff on 10,000 different platforms. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to just copy and paste over to like every, every platform review platform, uh, out there, Avo and Martindale Hubbard, et cetera. Okay. That's yeah. Crazy. It, it does get crazy. And thankfully, thankfully, uh, Mr. Harris and I don't have a whole lot of bad reviews out there. No, no, no. I, but we, you know, generally I think like in our world in your world, Paul, like people, our clients know that we care and we work hard and, uh, you know, I just personally don't have that many disgruntled former clients. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah thankfully. Thankfully. Um, yeah. so, so, uh, you, we've covered most topics we wanted to cover for today, but we always ask our, our guests some fun questions just because we want to know, we want to know the man behind the beard. Uh, and that would be Paul because Mr. Harith and I do not have beards. I just can't grow one. Paul, you're more of a man than me. Oh, honey. I, I, I put, I put my manliness into not growing my beard. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. So the question, the question would be <laughs> first, uh, do you have a favorite musical artist or band? You know, it, it varies from time to time. Um, probably uh, the artist that has impacted me the most over time was a young man who died tragically um, in like a boating accident in his early 20s. It was this guy named Jeff Buckley. Love him. And he is, I like, he has this album called Grace, which is, I think, the best album that maybe has ever been made and so yeah it's um, real good yeah just you know he's i'm a i'm a bit of a vocalist myself and so what he is capable of doing with his voice the intellectualism behind what he created and the thought and the emotion the artistry is just staggering like i mean there's just five different layers of abstraction of why you might think that this stuff is is good good stuff so so jeff buckley huh yeah, he's Jeff. like he's best known for uh, Leonard Cohen's like the remake of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, right? Yep. Um, I mean, it's just a beautiful rendition of that song. Yeah. All right. So next question: favorite book or one you've read recently that you think uh, would be good for a listener to read? You know, um, I am a big proponent of a book called Atomic Habits. Love um, and I love that book too. Yeah, you know, and. I, uh, you know, typically my favorite book is the one that I'm currently on. Um, but that one goes back and, and that one is particularly important to me because I, uh, a few years ago, uh, ended up losing a lot of weight, like, like 90 pounds of weight, yeah. um, fundamental life changing. And I've, I've kept it off for several years now. And Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean, probably shouldn't have gained it in the first place, but you know, it, it, you know, better late than never. Right. And so yeah. I, uh, that was the first book that, that helped me actually look into kind of the human coding of habits and how we operate as these essentially computational machines that we're going about trying to do our tasks. Right. And we give ourselves way too much credit. Like we only have about five or 10% bandwidth to actually deal with much change at any given time. Most of the things we do are, are 
kind of rote processes, you know, the way you get out of bed, the way you pick up your toothbrush, the way you eat food, you know, what you eat, how you eat it, you know, the, the, the times you eat them, you know, like they, they are pretty coded in processes in trying to change that. If you're like, Oh, I need to change all these things in my life. Well, the bandwidth it takes to do that is astronomical. Yeah. So if, if you try to change everything all at one time, your success rate is very low. What Atomic Habits like basic thing is the idea of incremental change. Saying, don't try to fix everything. Take 1%, one tiny change that you can do consistently and do it. So if you change 1% and if you can do that for, for three weeks, a month, then that becomes baked in and you're no longer having to think about it to do it. Yeah. And add another thing and another. And like, you know, I, I you know, a decade ago, you know, I was smoking and I, you know, part of my, my job was, was being out with people all the time. So, I mean, I was out, you know, drinking too much and eating too much and being super social all the time and, you know, drinking a six pack of sodas every day. And I just, you know, all this stuff yeah. and like slowly trying to peel off all of those layers. So anyways, Atomic Habits was a book that really gave me actionable things on how to start being uh, uh, increasingly in control of my habits. Very cool. Yeah, that book is Atomic Habits, and that's uh, written by James Clear. Um, I, I've read it too, Paul. That's a that's a great book, man. So yeah. kind of, I know this is weird, but speaking of advertising, this actually reminds me of the commercial that's currently playing, where the guy's like, the question becomes, would you want DJ Khaled to be like your personal like um, mentor? And the guy's brushing his teeth, and DJ Khaled walks into his house and goes, one circle, Jimmy. Now another. One more. <laughs> Keep going, man. And, 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 and I think that's it. Sometimes you got to think, I'm going to change the way I brush my teeth. And that's all I'm going to be able to change today because I don't have enough bandwidth to change yeah. everything about my life. Dude, everything's yeah. tough. I mean, like, you know, in life, we're dealing with so much nonsense at all times. You know, like, you know, like, you're just personally, you know, we have our family, our relationships, our business, you know, like, and the reality is people die, relationships fail, you know, businesses, you know, go up and down. And, you know, there's all these things that we're constantly trying to deal with. We're dealing with our own personal injuries and, you know, yeah. things like this and like, and then we also, we have a, um, a society that is absolutely just bombarding us with like constant barrage of negative intense information at yeah. all. And I mean, just the bandwidth to try to deal with that is a lot more than we, we, we give it credit. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to manage habits, like you gotta, you gotta be at that molecular level and then, but then you get ownership of it and it feels good. Yeah, man. So Paul, what's the uh, best piece of advice you've, you've ever received or one that you're just, you know, more consistently handing out to, uh, to anybody, new attorneys, old attorneys, just regular lay people out there in the world? You know, um, I, someone told me this a long time ago and it stuck with me. I don't know who it was. I, I'm not 
I don't even know who to attribute the quote to. Um, but it was a, the saying that no one is the villain of their own story. Right on. And when you think about that, right? Like, not the villain. The amount of empathy that allows you to have all of a sudden is staggering when you realize no one is trying to purposely be a villain. They have their own reason. Now, it doesn't mean that their behavior is acceptable or that it needs to, to be what governs everybody, but everyone is the hero in their own story and no one's the villain. And I think if you, if you look at humans and you look at other people's actions by that, you can be more empathetic. Doesn't mean that you aren't supposed to stand up and, and push against them, but it also means that you, you might be able to actually reach a resolution. Because if it's not all at war, if the person's not evil, then it's not a zero-sum game. Right. And so, you know, when I think about that a lot with my adversaries and, and the legal profession. You know, some of us can, you know, can be absolutely insufferable um, in the, the law field. And understanding, no. you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. So one last question, uh, assuming one of our listeners wants to contact Paul Wingo, how would they find you? How would they, uh, get a hold of you? Uh, so you can check out my uh, website, Hamilton Wingo. Um, and you can definitely check that out or I'm, I'm on the social medias under Paul Wingo. Um, and I'd be glad to answer anybody's questions if they need them. Awesome. Very cool. That's fantastic. Paul, you are one of the most wise men that I know, my friend. I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to make, have made your acquaintance and call you a friend. So thank you. Well, for I, I really appreciate the reach out, Andrew and Andrew. Uh, it's been a joy to be on y'all's show today. Well, thank you for being on. Um, uh, we, uh, again, we are Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. I know we didn't actually talk much criminal law today, but hopefully this is actually information that probably every attorney needs to occasionally yeah, agreed. think about. Um, how am I not uh, using advertising or using it correctly or following the guidelines? Um, you can find us on uh, your podcast app on your phone. You're getting so good at that. Thank you. I, I Truly, I had to do, use my 1% my, my of bandwidth. That's all I had. <laughs> That's um, a good man. You can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on the web at uh, texascrimdefense.com. Uh, follow us, subscribe. Uh, our audience is growing. Our numbers, yeah. our numbers look like that, um, which is exciting. We're coming to the end of the summer. Uh, so hopefully we will catch you all uh, in September. Have a good one, y'all. Thanks all right. for joining.